Call Katie Case Bailey with Dunbar Real Estate for all of your real estate needs. Katie Case Bailey, Realtor Extraordinaire. Something to show, something to list, something to sell. Call today at 601-408-9980. You are listening to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington. Thank you, Jamesy. And Jason Bailey. Bump is uh, pretty good. But the reality is... They don't know, man! I've been looking forward to To The Top Talk. You know, I have that with myself every night. Every day, anything we do is Southern Miss to the top. What's going on? What's happening? How you guys doing? Welcome to To The Top Talk. Here with you a break from all of the High Resource 5 propaganda to talk about the University of Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles. Joining me on the line now, Southern Miss Black Ops tailgate legend, Jason Bailey. Take it away, Jason. Greetings and salutations, my man. Um, back from uh, Ruston, Louisiana, and just uh, finished up a little two-mile run. It was my 90th fastest, so uh, that's kind of a, a weird thing to do. Like, number one, I guess I'll, ho- I'll run a whole lot. And number two, um, I'm feeling the effects from Ruston. So uh, 90th fastest, not something to brag about, but uh, good to be here, and I'm um, looking forward to uh, the show. You got the Ruston pox. <laughs> I got something. <laughs> And the, uh, the Wizard of Whiskey is uh, taking the week off this week. I believe he has a urinary tract infection, if I'm not mistaken. So he will not be with us, but we've got, a, we've got a real special treat for you guys. So if you are a Southern Miss fan and you like to keep up with what's going on at Southern Miss, a lot of times you're going to be on Twitter. Outside of the two pay sites, you're, you're, you're probably not going to find more information on Southern Miss just by being on Twitter. And the best Twitter follow is, is joining us right here. He is kind of an expert. Um, especially when it comes to college baseball. He's been making the rounds lately, and we were fortunate enough to get him to come on to the Top Talk with us tonight. Uh, Patty Mack himself, Patrick McGee, not Muggy. Patrick, what's going on, man? Oh, it's going great. That's some high praise you just gave me. Um, so, uh, yeah, hopefully I can live up to it. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> That's about it, all I got, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, don't blow it. So yeah, if, if no you pressure. Are, are you so you know Patrick last name spelled Mac M C G E E? Are you tired of the Patrick Muggy comparisons? <laughs> no, it's kind of funny. Well, I was actually my first two years at USM, or yeah, first two years at USM, I was in the journalism school. So, yeah, you know, people say, "Oh, are you the Patrick McGee at the summer?" Like, no, ended up ended up by changing majors. So maybe that was uh, for the best. <laughs> Avoid some of those. Com- uh, confusion. So, yeah. <laughs> Have you, uh, if you got in a fight, who would win? Oh, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. I don't think I'd win in many fights. <laughs> he's got the, he's got like the Sir Saint Nick. So you'd have to really, you'd have to really <laughs> wallop him to, to take, uh, take Patty down. But no, that's cool. And you, you just graduated not too long ago. Yeah, 2020. I, I walked at the, um, they had the 2021 ceremony, but they let the, uh, people that graduate in 2020, uh, well, just cause, you know, obviously we didn't have that last year. So that was the first, um, commencement they had had since, um, since the pandemic. So they let everybody from the uh, class of 2020 walks. So that was a nice thing they did. And, uh, yeah, I did that a couple weeks ago. Very cool. Very cool. Well, let's get into it. Let's talk Southern Miss baseball. Of course, uh, the big Southern Miss news this week was all Southern Miss baseball related, it seems. So starting off, so the first game. Southern Miss took on the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, and it is a situation where the previous games in the day got delayed, and then uh, UTEP and Louisiana Tech go into extra innings. Southern Miss doesn't get – UTSA. UTSA, yeah. <laughs> UTEP didn't make it. They all just kind of run together. No, good catch. Yeah. <laughs> this is why we keep Patrick around is for <laughs> – yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, to my, like when my stats come around because my stats are just gonna. Oh, like I don't even know why I tried. I don't even know why I put forth any like effort at all into the research. So the the Roadrunners are taking on the the Bulldogs of Ruston, and it just it, it it keeps going. And the game doesn't really the first pitch doesn't happen until I believe like right before mid right around midnight if I'm not mistaken. And Southern Miss uh, ends up winning the game in eight innings. By the ten run rule with an eleven to one victory. 
Yeah, I could not have been uh, more uh, you know excited when I woke up the next morning because I, I thought there was zero chance they're going to play this game. Uh, I had to work the next day. So at some point, you know, especially when you get into your 40s, you need more than like two and a half hours of sleep. You can't pull that off anymore like you could back in college, Patrick. And uh, <laughs> so I had to go to bed. I just thought there's no chance. I thought we were going to play the 9 a.m. game the next day. Woke up, turned over, looked at my phone, and there's like 64 notifications from Twitter. I was like, what the hell? We played? <laughs> and we kicked ass? <laughs> Yay! You know, it made the work day go great, but... Yeah, it was total dominance, man. Um, I thought we had, a, I guess we had a chance to make a statement just right out of the gate on, you know, what we're going to do in this tournament and uh, and make a statement we did. Scored four in the first, two in the third, five in the fifth, 15 total hits. Montenegro, Trimble, uh, Ewing, Lynch, McGillis all had two apiece. Dusty Dick went three for three. Sarge hit a slam. And Stanley, you know, does what Stanley does and um, had a great, a uh, great Outing, eight innings pitch, three hits, one run, 14 strikeouts. And most importantly, um, I guess most importantly got the win, but second most importantly, only used one pitcher right after Louisiana Tech used all those pitchers. So you couldn't start it off any better, and it looked like it was setting up pretty good for Southern Miss. You know, and Hunter Stanley uh, had an excellent game, went all eight innings, and his performance was good enough to lock him into the all-tournament team for Conference USA as well. Well, if you can't get it with that kind of performance, then I would really like to know, you know, <laughs> what you'd have to do. <laughs> Patrick, did you stay up for the game? Yeah, well, that's the thing. I, I fell asleep. I, so I was following the La Tech game. It was, it was midnight. So I'm thinking, well, I thought because I thought there was a rule. I remember hearing something like, oh, there's a rule. You can't start a game after midnight or something. Because they had started games at like 1130 before. I remember a couple years ago in Biloxi. Something. well, they're not going to play, so I'm just going to wake up tomorrow morning, you know. You know, I'll follow the game at work. We'll start at 9 a.m. And then I, you know, woke up at 3 a.m. and I checked Twitter. And I was like, oh, I'm seeing all these, you know, kind of like Jason, seeing Twitter blowing up like, oh, yeah, we won 11-1 or 12-1 or, or whatever it was. I was like, all right, well, that's cool. I guess we'll play, <laughs> play tomorrow night. And, uh, yeah, it was it was a great win. You know, Stanley, what do you, yeah, 14 Ks, I believe you said. Yeah, 14 Ks, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that was really the first game in about five years where I did not uh, watch or listen or follow a uh, single pitch. But uh, it was looking like it was pretty non-stressful. So. <laughs> so the Golden Eagles move on in the winner's bracket to take on uh, Louisiana in- uh, Institute of Technology, whatever you want to call it, um, Louisiana <laughs> Technical University uh, that next night, that Thursday night. Uh, May the 27th. That's another game that didn't get started until really late. Um, I w- this was like a combination between Groundhog Day and Christmas morning with both of these games because <laughs> I had a I had a call like first like w- like seven o'clock on uh, Friday morning so I fell asleep shortly after Ryan Ott came into pitch but Southern Miss another victory cruising four to one victory over the Bulldogs on Thursday night slash Friday morning. Yeah, so you know at the end of this game we had two games and given up a total of two runs. You're going to win a whole lot of baseball games if you do that. Uh, and to, be, to beat the host team um, with another late-night start, like you said, was great. Um, I thought Powell really looked better. Um, I mean, his line looked okay, four and a third, four hits, one run, three Ks, four walks. But right there at the end, that four walks, it was just a crazy tight zone. It was just uh, just kind of sporadic all night long. I'm not saying that it was home cooking or anything. I think the guy was just bad. He was bad <laughs> both ways. Um, but it was – I mean, you know, if Powell – Patrick could probably tell me this, but I think Powell had like, I don't know, 10 or 12 walks the entire season, and he had four in one game. If you have somebody like Powell, you know, on the mound showing emotion, uh, throwing his arms up after pitches or, you know, just like paint the corner and you don't get the call over and over again, it's probably not on Powell. It's probably on the umpire. So that was weird, but you mentioned Ock right there in the intro, and the story of the game was Ryan Ock. Uh, His outing of four innings pitched, um, included just some huge situations, including a bases loaded jam where he threw a 3 2 slider <laughs> um, after the guy fouled off a bunch of foul balls and just froze him um, to preserve the lead. It was incredible. Um, you know, Fincher, their guy was good. Uh, Aqua was better. And, and then Hurston Waldrop came in just absolutely throwing laser beams. I think he hit 100 miles an hour on a pretty hot gun, I think, but he had, <laughs> he had triple digits a couple times. And uh, and converted the save. So yeah, after that night, man, sitting there at two and zero, 
could not have been feeling much better about yourself. In fact, I was feeling so good that I got up and drove my ass to Ruston <laughs> the next day. So, um, and then it all went downhill. So I guess part of it can be blamed on me. But anyway, um, yeah, feeling pretty good about ourselves, you know, this morning. Yeah, you know, woke up the next day and, uh, you know, saw D1 baseball had us in the top 16 at that point. I was like, well, we just just got to win one more. But, yeah, like you said, I mean, that was probably the in terms of, you know, that was high leverage as it gets, you know, coming in bases loaded. And then he comes in and, you know, I'm looking at the box score now. Four innings pitched and, you know, seven strikeouts. I mean, that's probably the relief performance of the year. I mean, you get mm-hmm. that out of, um, you know, those. he's kind of uh, been the – you know, you have a closer. Uh, Rams, who's kind of the closer early in the year, he's kind of just a one-inning guy. And then, uh, you know, Ox kind of come in, and he's been the closer and the stopper. You know, he's a guy who can come in early in the game and get you just some stops, and that's what he did here. You know, coming in the fifth inning and getting you the ninth. So, yeah, it was, it was really impressive for Mock. Hey, and moving forward, you mentioned Ramsey right there. <laughs> if, if this guy can get it back, he's lost it a little bit, right? Um, just watching him out there, he looks like he's just he's, he's worried about that slider, and his slider's his go-to. Um and but but if he gets it back, man, I mean he, he was just as dominant as, as Ock can be, wasn't he? You know, at the beginning of the year for the oh, first yeah, month I mean, and a half or so, he, he's he can really, you know, he can pump it up there pretty good, and that just got a slider that's damn near unhittable. So he's lost it for a second, but he's still got a chance to get it back, and we're still going to go probably as far as our pitching can take us. And you know, if if he can be a big piece of that puzzle. Oh, for sure. I mean, he. I think you know, a non-conference play. I think he. I don't think he gave up a uh, an earned run until the La Tech, the first La Tech series uh, right. in March. That was the sixth right. uh, sixth weekend of the year. So um, he certainly a non conference play. He was, you know, as dominant as it gets, and he's just kind of fallen off since then. But if uh, you know, he returns the form from non conference, I mean, that'd be a huge boost to the pin, no doubt. Sure. One of one of my favorite moments from the evening, and I don't know if everybody caught this, but so so Taylor Young for Louisiana Tech hits a double. He's fiery. He's fired up, and he's he goes over to take his what his his gloves or his whatever he hands to the third base coach, and he starts and Danny Lynch just starts sick. DJ Lynch starts signaling him him back to second base. It was hilarious. It was uh, it was one of the the outside of the win and the four runs uh, that was one of the highlights of my evening. Cool. <laughs> I didn't awesome. catch. I did not catch that. <laughs> The little things in baseball, man, that's cool. The little things in baseball that you that you can see on uh, ESPN Plus, and unfortunately here to uh, the chosen announcers for the regional. My God, it was. <laughs> I mean, like I think we could have done, and I know people say that like they'll see like a fighter on TV, like oh I could fight. It's like no, I really <laughs> think I could have done a better job, and I'm not even an announcer like that. It was just. <laughs> It was yeah, brutal. And, like, I guess in their defense, like if you have to call like that many games in a row, I get it. But let's just try to get a little bit more than three talking points because the talk. It, I guess that was probably the highlight of my weekend uh, was that when I got to Ruston, I didn't have to listen to it anymore. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, I had to watch some stuff, but I didn't have to listen to anything. Um, but yeah, so, so their three talking points were number one, um, the train. No, no, the tornado. Okay, the tornado. The second baseman had never made any errors. That freaking blood moon. That was it. Out of the, you know, if, if I didn't hear him talk about anything else other than those three things. And every single time that a tech guy hit a ball, it was, oh my God, it's way back. It's going to be gone. And it would go like 278 and, be, you know, get caught in front of the track. So, yeah, not good. Yeah. The, um, the play-by-play guy, I believe it was Lynn Rollins, who he does, um, he does LSU, ESPN Plus, and then the, uh, the, the color commentator was actually one of their uh, communications guys. So I mean, it was a, uh, you know, a lot of people were saying I didn't, I mean, I didn't catch the last two games on TV, but um, you know, because I was, I was out there, you know, at the games, but you know, a little bit of a uh, lot tech flair for sure from the announcers, uh, <laughs> from what I can tell. And you, you know. When you call these games, like you can go on the Southernmost website right now, you can go find the media guide. And in that media guide, it says, call us Southern Miss. And this dude was just like slinging out Southern Mississippi, which does not hurt my feelings. It just goes to show like the the lack of uh, professionalism. I mean, you know, the guys weren't absolutely terrible. They were just 
they were kind of bad. <laughs> well, if you want to talk about a, a, a different version of a lack of uh, professionalism, in my opinion, um, and I know we're going to get to this next game in a second, but while we're here talking about this stuff, we might as well get into it. Um, and Patrick, I don't know how you felt about this, but when I was there, I fe- and I, I've been to you know several regionals, ones that we've hosted, um, I mean conference tournaments, so ones that we've hosted, ones that you know have been at MGM, at Trustmark, and I, I feel like Southern Mist does a pretty damn job of a pretty damn good job of of making it a neutral situation, as neutral as you can possibly make it, right? And to my recollection, we don't use our, our guys' walk-up songs. Um, we, we don't just go crazy with the lineup. Um, I mean, these Louisiana Tech guys, they would just, you know, they would call out our lineup. Then they would go, and now, you're a Louisiana <laughs> Tech Bulldog. And just the whole, like, WWE thing. I'm like, man, what's missing? Is what, like, There's no fireworks to go along with this crap? <laughs> anyway, uh, it, it was it was the biggest home field advantage that I've, that I've seen. Um, and... If you can get away with it, I guess go ahead and do it. I, I think that we do a better job of that. But come next year, um, I want every damn home field advantage for us, and I want to just blow this impartiality out of the window. Yeah, it was. I mean, that that was my tenth conference tournament, fifth different site, and um, you know, I had never seen anything like you know in terms of the home, you know, the home field advantage in terms of what you know, just the the PA guy and the um, and that kind of thing. I mean, it was a great atmosphere. Uh, yes. For sure. And their right. um, their field's very nice. Um, stadium's very nice. It's you know kind of like a minor league park on a uh, kind of just I mean a smaller scale. But, it's a uh, little bitty MGM. Yeah, and you know it's all chair backs, and they got some kind of suites. Um, but yeah, I mean the PA announcer they were playing their walk up music, which um, I've never heard uh, at MGM or Pete Taylor Park or Trustmark or Church Inn or any of those places. So uh, that was uh, you know, yeah, and they took it to uh, you know, I, and their their music was obviously their normal music. I mean, sometimes our guys our guys would come up and it's like Frank Sinatra. <laughs> I'm going, man, this, I mean, they're not even trying to disguise it. So whatever, it was. Well, I would have been fine if they would have played our walkout songs uh, too. Sure. You know? That being said, they did play Thunderstruck one time. I was like, you know, okay, I guess. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's, and, that's a little nod. In, in years past, you know, when you have the tournament in Biloxi like it's been for the past few years, uh, you have the opportunity to go to a casino. You know, uh, right there you get the Beauvoir, you get other casinos around town. Did you guys stop at any gas station casinos on the way to Ruston? <laughs> uh, no, I didn't. But uh, I went, I went to Whataburger in between the two games. It was funny. <laughs> I, I, I walked in there, and the only two people in there were uh, Jeremy McLean and Jeff Mitchell. So oh wow! Was, yeah, <laughs> nice. That was uh, funny to see those guys in there, but uh, you know, we went to the doghouse. We went to the doghouse twice in one day. Um, went to the doghouse before the game, drove over, got there about an hour and a half before. Uh, the doghouse is kind of right there. It's not too far away from the stadium. It's cool. I think I would hang out there a lot if I was if I lived in Ruston. Um, and I thought that we were going to be able to um, go celebrate there and a bunch of different places. Um, mid-afternoon after our game, especially about halfway through it. But um, as it turns out, uh, I had to go back to the hotel and uh, pop in there real quick for a quick dinner before the second round. So there you have it. So Southern Miss taking on uh, Louisiana Tech. You should know by now what happened, but if you don't, we're going to give you a quick little rundown. (laughs) So that's right. Southern Miss only needed to win one game on Saturday. The first game taking on Louisiana Tech. And falling to the Bulldogs by a final score of 11 to 10. This is more notes than I normally have, just because so much stuff happened in this game. So if, you, if there's ever a spot where you want to uh, stop and jump in and add some stuff, go ahead. But uh, so through four innings, we were absolutely rolling. Um, Tech had had used up um, just a ton of pitching. We really couldn't have been in a better, in, in much better shape. <laughs> you know, we, we're up eight to nothing. Uh, Tech seemed – I mean, these guys are, are normally just kind of relentless at the plate. One of the better offensive teams, not only in our league, but in the country, in my opinion. And um, they just seemed to have forgotten how to swing the bat. Uh, Drew Boyd, th- that was the – to me anyway, uh, is that I look down and before the game and I see Drew uh, warming up, which is weird. You know, he's not the number three guy. Uh, and so uh, we we're all kind of wondering about it. But the last time Etheridge faced Louisiana Tech, he got roughed up a little bit. So 
I guess the the thought there was, you know, let's mix it up. Let's see how far he can get us. Can he get us one time through the lineup? Can he get us two times through the lineup? I don't know. Let's throw him out there and see what's up. Uh, but he really looked great. Uh, ended up going four and a third, four hits, five runs and five Ks, but that all came late. Um, for, for, for the longest time, um, hell, I think he had a no-no. For, no, I don't know. Anyway, so but he looked great. Um, Tyler Stewart came in. He ended up taking the loss, but I thought that – he really looked as any as good as anybody uh, that day. He went two and two thirds, two hits, one run, one K. But he was throwing smoke, and just had a. I thought he had a presence out there that I didn't see early in the season. I think that that the big man uh, Tyler Stewart has grown up a little bit. Um, and so at that point, you know, we're feeling great about ourselves. But then the fifth inning rolls around. Louisiana Tech absolutely goes nuts, cuts the lead to eight to six. And the guy that I was sitting next to, I ended up sitting right behind uh, Mike Kane, who was the Louisiana Tech head coach uh, in the late 80s through like the mid 90s, I believe. And he was cool. Um, a lot of people sitting around him were friends with him. So they're probably all baseball people, too. Um, but the guy next to me, when we we're up eight to nothing, he said, well, <clears throat> you know, who you think is going to be in y'all's regional? I said, man, we can lose this game. You know, just, just give it a second. And he's like, no, you know, your guys rolling. I was like, I, I promise. Well, <clears throat> then Kate, then, then Tech cuts the lead to eight to six, and I think you saw what I was talking about. But then we come right back, right? We get a run in the top of the six, back to a nine to six lead. So <clears throat> we stopped the bleeding a little bit, and um, and we we're feeling pretty good again. Uh, like Patrick said earlier, the crowd was in it the whole time. Um, you know, you could just feel the energy and, and I, I, what I could feel was just personally just nervousness. I think I was more nervous than the players probably were. Um, bottom seven tech gets two more cuts, uh, cuts the lead to, uh, it's now a nine to eight lead for Southern Miss bottom eight tech gets two more, uh, takes the 10 to nine lead. Lynch hits a bomb to center field, top nine to tie it up. Uh, we could not have been more excited in the stands, going crazy. And then Tech walks it off in the bottom ten, close play at the plate. We lose. Damn. You know, we kind of wasted an effort by Sarge. He went crazy. Um, he went three for four with two home runs and five RBIs. One of those home runs went to center field, and one of them hit that freaking apartment. Uh, about 75 feet behind the left center fence, which is 370. And I know I made fun of how small the park was uh, on our previous episodes. It is still small, but it's kind of different than I thought. It plays a little bit bigger, even though it's really short down the left field line at 315. It juts, it juts straight out um, to 370 in that gap and, to, and but before, it, before it winds back around and there's a tall fence. So it does play a little bit bigger than I thought. Um, to except for to Old Dominion apparently, but um, you know we, we had it right. We had the game. Um, some I guess you got to just tip your hat to Louisiana Tech, uh, even though they didn't hit for half the game, they, they they didn't give up. And some credit really has to go to them. Um, maybe all the credit. Uh, the the you know, there's a lot of teams that probably would have laid down in this situation, but they didn't. Um, the, the question I would have is probably, do you pull? Um, do you pull Boyd a couple, you know, batters earlier than you did? He made it through the lineup once. He made it through twice. He got to that third time around, and they're, you know, really finding the barrel quite a bit. Um, so that would be my only question mark. But having an 8 nothing lead with the guys rolling, I get that part too. So at the end of the day, I really think that you just have to tip your cap to Tech, and they just came back and friggin' got it done. <laughs> yeah, um you, when we went up eight nothing, they brought in a guy. I can't remember the uh, can't remember his name, um, but I mean, it was a guy. He only pitched three and a third inning all year. I think something. Well, we can just jump on this guy, man. We can go up ten nothing, eleven nothing, and he, you know, he really pitched well. I think he got him to the eighth or maybe even the ninth inning. He only gave up, uh, you know, that one run. He really kept him in the game. So you got to tip your cap to that guy. You know, he'd been sitting on the bench all year. He, you know, really came through uh, in that game. Yes. Kate, Kate yeah, I kept hearing a lot about that. Every time they brought a pitcher, like, well, we don't know who this guy is. Well, we don't know who that guy is. And he would come in throwing like 94 with a hammer. I'm like, well, that's on y'all. If you, if you don't know who this guy is, then Burroughs should have been, you know, using different. You, you wouldn't have lost a game all year. Uh, you can smash and you got guys in a pin that can hit freaking 95 with a, just a hammer. So anyway, but yeah, it sucked. We lost. 
Uh, I really look forward to going out that night, hanging out with my boy Corey Diaz from the newspaper over there, and um, ran in the Muns, right? Was going mm-hmm. to uh, just do it up that night, and um, <laughs> and we had to we had to turn right around and do it again. Yeah, so we go into the second game of the uh, of the day, and this of course is a illumination game. Whoever loses is out. So it's our second chance to get a win on the day, and we aren't able to make it happen. Southern Miss fall, falling in that second game by a final score of six to five. Yep, lost 65, and I took my little tired ass back to the hotel and crashed. Did not go out whatsoever. Um, but probably the best home plate umpire I think that I saw uh, while I was there and um, what I had watched on TV up to that point. And consequently, what do you know? Hardly any walks, lower score, faster game. Crazy <laughs> how that works out. Um, ben Etheridge was on. Um Filled up the zone. He went six and a third, nine hits, one run, six Ks, zero walks. That tells you right there that the umpire wasn't wasn't uh wasn't squeezing it like the rest of those guys were. Um, the rest of the game we went with Storm, We Hunt, and Gillentine, and 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 then of course the shock of the century, Dustin Dickerson when he came in. Um, so tied at one through four. Tech scores in the bottom of the eighth to go up two to one. Uh, Southern Miss answers uh, in the top of the ninth with four runs. Excitement was at an all-time high in, in the stands and probably the dugout and just the TV sets across, you know, South Mississippi and wherever people are walking. Slade Wilkes comes up huge with a, I believe it was a two-strike, three-run bomb. One-two count. Uh, one-two count. Okay, one-two yeah. count. He had hit the previous pitch really hard, but pulled it like a thousand feet. Yeah. Um, yep. And he was pinch hitting for Johnson. So it was a pinch hit thing um, to a guy that, that, you know, you kind of wondered about all year. Uh, he came in with, with the, the, the most heralded recruit that we've had in quite some time um, and, and really just didn't get it done at the beginning of the season. Just had some spurts here and there during the season, but just hadn't played a whole lot. And here he comes in for Johnson, who's hit the ball great the last month or so. And, and just hits a, it just hits a, a, a bomb, just an absolute bomb. Um, he was happy. Everybody was crazy. I was, you know, who knows, probably slinging sweat on everybody up there and, you know, Southern Comfort <laughs> and just everything else. Um, and we were three outs away, right? Um, so three outs away, three-run lead. Um, and 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 then we go then we go Dickerson. And, and the line doesn't look great, but I was just really just – I'm still kind of shocked at the whole thing, but really just half shocked and half amazed. But two-thirds inning pitch, four hits, three runs, one walk, one K. But you remember right when he comes in, he's got, they have their best hitter up, strikes him out right after that, hit 97 on the gun. Might have the best arm on the baseball team. And he has been throwing bullpens, okay? He, he, he's he been throwing pins all year. Uh, people are like, he hadn't pitched. I said, shit, what are you going to do? You know, we, we can hardly get our damn relievers innings uh, with, with Powell going – the distance every time he gets out there, Stanley going like seven or eight every time he touches the ball. Uh, you know, Boyd usually throws six. Etheridge threw a few complete. When the hell are you going to, you know, anyway, I know we're going to get to all that. But the, the point is, number one, he had been throwing a little bit. And the second point is probably uh, he hadn't thrown a single inning this year and you put him in at the biggest time ever. So whatever. But the pop up to Lynch in foul territory, not routine, but I think he makes that play most of the time. I think if you asked him, he would say that he makes it like, you know, 99 times out of 100. Um, and then the big one, the uh, the pop up to right field. I don't know what happened, miscommunication or something. The ball drops. I would like to take a little bit of blame for it because I'm not going to lie. I had my my phone in my hand and I had the video, but I had the video. Uh, uh, whatever on the phone ready to go and i wasn't gonna push record until like a ball was hit that i thought was going to be the end of the game then i was gonna get like the celebration and all that and i was gonna text it to you and you could put it out on the sites and all that so he hits it i hit record <laughs> i stand up and i'm looking at my phone so I really can't tell what happened, but I hear everybody to my left going crazy, which is where the Louisiana Tech fans are. I pull my phone down, and I see our guys scrambling around for the baseball. And, you know, 
and, and then you know not long after that we 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 lose the game. Um, but I don't know what it looked like on TV. From my perspective, it was just a, I mean a shallow routine fly ball that you can probably they can probably catch behind their back. It was such an easy play. I don't know if was, something was lost in the lights, which were weird lights, um, or what happened. Uh, maybe you guys have a better perspective on that. But it was um, it was unbelievable. I still don't know if I can. I, I still don't know if I can believe it. it. It just it happened. It wasn't even a Texas leaguer, right? It wasn't one of those in no man's land things. I think I read that in one of the articles after the game. I didn't feel like it was. It was a normal pop fly that we just didn't catch somehow. And um, and and it seems like the coaching staff and Dickerson in particular are getting a lot of flack for that. But if another pitcher had thrown the exact same pitch and gotten the exact same pop up, and we had the exact same drop or you know misplay, that didn't make it any better, right? So I don't know. I don't know where to put the blame. I don't. I don't guess it really matters. Um, but yeah, it sucked. It, it was a very awkward angle for McGillis. Like it wasn't like wasn't McGillis's ball at all. I can yeah. totally agree with that. Wasn't yeah. not McGillis's yeah, yeah. ball coming from a former former middle guy. This is what we did. Took off for it, okay? Just in case something would happen, we took off. And the only rule was when you heard anything, you tailed off because you, you don't want to miss here. Like you, you don't want the right fielder saying like you take it or something, you know, or or like you got it. You thought, you thought he said, I got it. So you just go until you hear anything whatsoever. And so I'm thinking he never heard anything or there's some miscommunication. And getting back to the Dickerson thing, if you wanted to make the – I don't want to listen to the argument anymore about not about throwing Dickerson because I think Dickerson did good enough um, to get the job done. It's kind of weird putting him in, but at the end of the day, the results he got from the pitches that he threw should have been good enough. So it didn't matter if you hadn't thrown all year or not. Um, but I will listen to the argument that if you don't bring Dickerson in, you don't have um, you don't have the shuffling of the lineup that ended up happening to put those two guys in that situation to have to make that play. So I can listen to that argument, but at the but these guys are also you know super elite baseball players, and I'm not sure what happened, but. I don't want to blame it on the fact. I, I don't think this, this, that, that they don't have the ability to make that play, right? It wasn't in the gap. It wasn't just something out of the reach. It just, I don't know. It was like a, it was like Buckner, you know? It was uh, 28 to 3. It was, um, <laughs> it was all of these things. And I still can't believe it. But I think that since it happened, it's probably not going to happen again. And um, so I don't know. What, what do you guys, what, what are your thoughts on it? I thought that the, you know, I didn't mind him coming in. I did think it was an odd timing, but it's one of those like, if everything goes well, you look like a genius. If it doesn't, you look like an idiot. But it's really compounded by the fact that you win one game on Saturday and you're hosting a regional. Mm -hmm. And this will be the, this would have been the third time for us to host. I mean, you're in the driver's seat, you haven't lost any games. You've got, you know, you've got, an, I guess, an extra game's worth of pitchers. Um, you're up eight to nothing in game one, and you're up by three runs going into the ninth inning of the second game. It's one of those things like all of that compounded together really amplifies that decision and how it played out in the end. And I totally get it. And I think the to- coaches totally get it. <clears throat> um, and I'm going to go back to a lot of the Twitter stuff that I read. And I'm growing up in my old age, I think. Uh, I think I'm starting to take some of my own advice, which as long as we've been doing this podcast has been to don't tweet drunk or angry. <laughs> I think that a lot of people could learn from that. Because um, this fire Barry stuff and fire us, that's, that's the dumbest thing that I've ever heard. And if anybody's listening to this podcast and you tweeted that and you actually believe it, please, please don't ever listen to this podcast again. Just don't. If you if you got a huggy that I gave you or anything like that, throw it away. Don't, <laughs> you, you don't you don't even need to be representing anything that that I would ever uh, you know say. Like, like I said, if you want to make the argument about the shuffling of the positions or, and and I get that it was weird and you put the guy in, but at, I, I think the way I framed it was is really inarguable that if it was another pitcher that did the exact same thing, 
and the exact same result happened, um, you know, would, would you still want to fire people? Because that's it seems that's the way it's going. Like, 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 or I'll t- I'll take it a step further. If you put Dickerson in, let's say he walks three in a row and gives up a slam. Completely time to put some blame somewhere. <laughs> okay, that is not what happened at all, and um, and I hate it, man. But the good thing is, um, we mentioned Buckner earlier. When he when he did that, their series was over, I believe. Um, and we're not done. And also, even though we don't get to host, if we were hosting, we'd be that 16 paired with Arkansas. Okay, so that's no good. If we'd end up going to the Supers there, um, the biggest loser here is probably the city of Hattiesburg. If we're gonna re- get down to it, I'm sure. I don't know what the millions of dollars is that would have come into town with the hotels and the spending money at restaurants and gas and blah blah blah, all the everything that goes into that. I'm sure Patrick's got that just, just <laughs> dialed up and ready to go here. But if, if anything, we're in a regional now that it, it if we're going to make a run, the second step involved will be a little bit easier than if we would have hosted. So. Yeah, if you go back and uh, look at the uh, the video of the pop fly, you know, just experiencing there, it, the wind really started picking up there uh, late in the game. I don't know how much that had to do with it, but um, you know, it was it kind of did remind me of that 2017 regional. I know we don't want to ever talk about that, but uh, <laughs> you know, kind of pop up in no man's land and uh, just couldn't get. It. But uh, you know, it was uh, that's baseball, I guess. It was just. Uh, Tough way to lose, and then you know we had the. Um, I guess there was another tough pop fly that um, toward the third base dugout that uh, was almost. Yeah, that caught. was one. Yeah, and that I do not I do not consider that routine. Um, number one, it was one inch away from the dugout. That wind was blowing. There's always something called infield drift. Every anytime you hit those on the infield, the way the spin works, it's going to go. It might even be a couple rows deep or over the dugout, and it's just going to drift back towards the infield. Everybody knows that. I can't imagine what was being yelled at Lynch when he was looking up into the night sky and this ball was coming back towards him. Um, Patrick said a little bit, little bit about it earlier about the, the atmosphere. You are tucked in there, man. This this stadium is just – it's only 2,000 people, but it's like 2,000 people like in your living room, you know. So um, it was right there, and they were into it, which I dig. But um, – and, and – also, you can't even practice that play. How many – I don't know if you guys play a lot of baseball, but as a coach, it's really tough to sit at home plate and just rattle off, you know, fungos straight up out of the sky that come down one inch in front of the dugout a whole lot of times. So um, that play should have been made but was not routine. In my opinion, the other play was routine. And either way, they were both, you know – it, 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 you, it's hard to make. It's, it's hard to say that they should not have been caught either time. So, uh, yeah, tough. So Southern Miss falls. Louisiana Tech goes on and is defeated by the Old Dominion Monarchs. Congratulations to Old Dominion, who uh, ended up winning the conference championship and ended up being a number one seed in the. Columbia Regional with South Carolina. So let's talk about regionals. Southern Miss, it was announced on Monday at the 11 a.m. hour-long selection show that Southern Miss would be heading to the Oxford Regional. So we have the one-seed Ole Miss Rebels, two-seed Southern Miss Golden Eagles, the three-seed Florida State Seminoles, and the four-seed Southeast Missouri State Red Hawks. Patrick, what are your thoughts on this regional? Yeah, well, I mean, I think uh, it's a difficult regional. It's not impossible, but I think, you know, you look at Florida State, I think that was a team that most everyone thought was going to be a two-seed. You know, they're a team they finished with the winning record in the ACC, which I think, you know, most people think probably the second-best conference. Um, Finished four games above 500 in the ACC. Um, They took several series against, um, you know, regional competition. So I think Florida State, I mean, I think they're probably the best uh, three seed in the field, being an Ole Miss as a host. They're a good team. They're not, uh, you know, unbeatable. They're not on a level of an Arkansas, but they're certainly a good team. Um, and then, you know, Southeastern Missouri, I think, uh, you know, as I've kind of said on Twitter, they're kind of a classic four seed. And then they've got a good ace 
Uh, they don't have much behind them, but they are a team. You know, they probably can't uh, probably can't win the regional, but they're a team that can certainly screw it up for the uh, host team. And uh, you know, you would hope they can do that on uh, <laughs> Friday night, possibly. <laughs> so we'll see what they have. But uh, you know, it's it's going to be a competitive regional for sure. I think uh, you know, all of these teams have something going for them for sure. Well, let's let's walk through the teams a little bit. Uh, the number one seed, the Ole Miss Rebels. They are 41 and 19 on the season with an 18 and 12 record in the Southeastern Conference. They have an RPI of 12 and a Massey rating of 14. Any thoughts on the Rebels? Yeah, or, yeah, you can go, Jason. Or, no, you go ahead. I, I, oh, I've got some notes here, but just go ahead. Yeah, well, I mean, I think uh, when you look at Ole Miss. Uh, they're really, um, you know, on offense, they're really good. You know, they've they've lost their um, their best hitter to a torn ACL, but even he's come in and hit a couple home runs on one knee, basically, um, in the conference tournament. Um, so they got a really good lineup. Uh, their pitching staff uh, has been a little bit of a concern. You know, they lost one of their uh, top two guys, uh, Gunnar Hoagland, who's, um, you know, he's a first going to be a first round type guy. He's out for the year, but they got a really good uh, ace, Doug McKenzie, who's um, you know, he's a crafty lefty, but he's got a lot of talent, too. He's got 114 strikeouts in 78 innings. He's got a 2.8 or 2.18 uh, ERA, sub one whip. Um, and then behind him, you have Taylor Broadway um, and then Derek Diamond. Both of those guys are behind him. and uh, But those are, you know, two pretty talented pitchers, too. Um, they're a little inexperienced. They're both uh, first and second year guys, but um, they're capable as well. So, uh, you know, that's your host. And, uh, you know, like I said, they're not on the level of an Arkansas, but they are uh, plenty talented, and uh, you know they have, uh, you know, the roster to make a run. Yeah, I think it would be kind of the equivalent of us losing either Stanley or Powell late in the season. Yeah, uh, lo- losing Huggles. So, but 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 offensively, um, they kind of make up for it, man. They pit 75 home runs as a team. Um, Graham's hitting 339, 14 homers, 52 RBIs. They got. Uh, Jacob Gonzalez right behind that, 354, 10 homers, 51 RBIs. And Tim Elko, 331, 13 home runs, 44 RBIs. So the ball a little bit. Um, and and, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see them go up against um, – So you mentioned Southeastern Missouri's pitcher. The stud – is the stud yes. Dylan Dodd? Dylan yes. Dodd, yes. Okay, yeah, his, his numbers are crazy. 9-1, 2.78 90.2 innings pitched. That is a ton. 113 Ks to 14 walks. Two uh, opposing uh, batters are hitting 216 against him. That's just incredible numbers. So that's that's going to be the story of that of that game. Is I'm, I'm assuming that they're going to throw him, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. Ole Miss almost can't afford to throw off with your one going down. Nikhazy can be as good as he wants to. It's hard to match up with Dodd right here. So – that's going to be a good game right off the bat. And and after that, I guess, you know, Southeastern Missouri might have to score just a whole bunch of runs to win. But um, but that yeah. guy, uh, you know, he, he's just never seen him pitch. Just looking at a piece of paper here. Uh, but if you throw that many innings, you have that many strikeouts versus that many walks, and somebody's barely hitting over the Mendoza line against you, then, um, you know, that's, that's, that's hard to do. And I, I, the the chatter is that they are throwing off, that they are going to save um, Doug for the Saturday game. Wow, that is insanity. Um, that's like Charlotte level insanity right there. Yeah, we'll hmm. see if it, I mean you know how these things go. They could you know we really won't know until game day. But that's the that's the word is that's what they're we're talking hmm. about doing. So. We'll see what happens. So their their first game, so they're playing the Saturday, uh, excuse me, the Friday night game against Southeast Missouri State, the four seed, who comes into the game with a 30 and 20 record, 17 and 10 in the Ohio Valley Conference. They also won the regular season and tournament championships in the Ohio Valley Conference. They've got an RPI of 82 and a Massey rating of 123. Uh, any thoughts on Southeast Missouri State? Yeah, like you said, I mean, Dodd, he was actually a guy I saw. So they played opening day uh, at South Alabama in our game. You know, Northwestern State couldn't play that because of the weather. 
uh, there. So I went to South Alabama for that Friday game, and they played Southeastern Missouri. And I saw that picture uh, opening day. So I've actually uh, I've laid eyes on him. And, yeah, he's really good. When I saw him, he's, he's 93, 94. I think he went six innings, only gave up one run, three hits. Um, you know, he's a big kid. So, yeah, I mean, he's, a, he's the kind of guy that'll, you know, be either a late day two, early day three type of draft pick um, this year. I uh, can't remember if, if he's a fourth or fifth year guy. But yeah, he, he's certainly a, he's a true ace. Uh, they don't have a ton after him. Uh, there looks like their Saturday guy has about a six ERA, and opponents are hitting over three hundred against him. And then their Sunday guy has about an eight ERA. Opponents are hitting three thirty against him. So they really only have him. Uh, you know, they hit okay. They're in the Ohio Valley, which is a really um, offensive driven league. Uh, if you remember Tennessee Tech, the team that uh, you know won a regional Ole Miss a couple years ago, they hit like a hundred home runs. That's where they came from. A lot of smaller parks in that league. Uh, they hit 272 of the team, only 37 home runs. So, uh, you know, kind of average offensively, but they do have a really good ace. They're one of the better pitchers in this regional. So, I mean, that you know certainly makes that first game uh, interesting. Yeah, and you mentioned that South Alabama, a team that we couldn't beat, obviously, you know, um, in anything. <laughs> yeah, they, they took and two out they, of three there, yeah. Yes, they took two out of three from South Alabama. So anybody who's just looking past these guys – um, they're better than South Alabama, <laughs> so that's not great. Uh, but they they are led by uh, number nine t- Tyler Wilbur, three eighty nine average, six home runs, forty nine RBIs. And they also have a guy named Wade Staus, number thirteen, who had two forty one, but had fourteen home runs to lead the team and thirty six RBIs. So he's kind of like their Christopher Sargent, I guess. And um, they're, um, they've got some work to do after that number one, but they do have the ability to hit a little bit. So, so the two seed, of course, Southern Miss will be taking on the Florida State Seminoles, the three seed. That game is on Friday at 2 p.m. It will be airing on ESPNU. So the two seed Golden Eagles, as you should know by now, 37 and 19 on the season, 22 and 9 in Conference USA, an RPI of 22 and a Massey rating of 37. And they're taking on the three seed Florida State Seminoles. Who finished 30 and 22 on the year, 20 and 16 in the ACC. They have an RPI of 43 and a Massey rating of 22. Okay, so you know, if you don't know anything about Southern, if you don't know about Southern Miss at this point, then I guess you haven't been listening to the podcast quite <laughs> enough. But, but obviously, you know, we're going to be we're going to go as far as our pitching can take us. And I will say this about. Um, about a regional versus a conference tournament is that the conference tournament has way more teams, just opportunity to play more games. In this four-team deal, um, I think that's a pretty good advantage for somebody like Southern Miss who has two, possibly three aces. If you want to look at it, like when you just when you just look at the stats, I mean Etheridge is right up there with Powell and Stanley in, in every category. So, um, and then and then Boyd, you know, we threw him the third game this time, so. And then a guy like Ryan Ock, and it, it, the list goes on and on. I know the pitching failed us a little bit in the last uh, in, in the conference tournament, but in the, in this shorter uh, or fewer teams involved tournament, I think that 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 can take us um, a pretty good ways too. And I also think that as bad as what the ending was in the conference tournament, I, I would love to think that our guys learned a whole bunch from it. Grew up a little bit. I'm seeing leadership come out that I didn't know we were gonna have for a while. Um, I thought who was gonna who was gonna take Goodry's spot, right, in that leadership role. And I'm still not positive, but I'm seeing a little bit out of Dickerson. I'm seeing a little bit out of Lynch. Um, you know, uh, Montenegro is a, a stabilizing force, is uh, the, the the as big a stabilizing force as you can be in that leadoff hole. Um, and I'm seeing guys that didn't get any work all year because the starters just kept dominating so much. What are you going to do? Seeing them getting some more innings. Blake Weehunt's got a swagger out there. Um, I mentioned Tyler Stewart earlier. He's got a swagger when he gets on the mound now. And, and I'm the biggest homer in the world, <laughs> you know. But uh, I feel great. I feel great going into this regional, you know, uh, about the, the players that we have. And, and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens, but I feel good. Patrick, what are your thoughts on uh, Florida State? Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, I thought they were a team that could easily have been a two seed. They got, you know, three really good uh, 
starting pitchers. Uh, they, I don't think they've announced their starter yet, um, but they're one. I mean, it's kind of a one A and one B situation. They have a guy out um, getting his name now, Parker um, Messick. Messick, yes. And then Bryce Hubbard uh, is another. Both of those guys are lefties. They have pretty comparable numbers. Messick's probably a little better. Uh, I think he's been going on Fridays for him, but the, but they're similar. Um, and then they got a third starter, Connor Grady. He, he was a right-hander. He's an older guy. He's a fourth or fifth-year guy. Um, not as much of a prospect as those first two guys, but he can get outs. Um, so they got three, you know, good starters. Um, offensively, uh, they're kind of home run uh, driven. I believe they have. I can pull it up. I believe they have over seventy home runs. But they're, uh, they're. I mean, their batting average isn't great. I believe it's two under two fifty. I think I was looking yesterday. Seventy four home runs. Seventy four home runs. Two forty five. But they got. A uh, guy behind the plate named uh, Matt Nelson, who uh, he's hit 22 home runs on the year, mm-hmm. um, hitting 332. He's the guy that's really gone off the dra- um, up the draft boards this year. Uh, you know, possibly even as a first round pick, he's uh, he's hit the ball very well this year, and uh, he can play behind the plate as well. So he's kind of the uh, anchor of that lineup. So um, yeah, I mean they're they're really talented for a um, you know a three seed. You know, you'd be okay with them as a two seed. Uh, you know, as a three seed. Um, you know, it's a tough draw, uh, but you know, this isn't, uh, you know, they don't, they're not, you know, they don't have quite the horses they've had in the past. Uh, so, you know, unbeatable, but you know, still Florida state, uh, they've been to the tournament something like 45 straight times. So, uh, they're certainly one of the blue bloods in the sport and, uh, you know, have to play well to beat them. Right. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't, you can never overlook Florida state. I mean, just look at the independence bowl. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. there Coldest you go, game man. ever. Yes. Yeah, I just got cold again. <laughs> my 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 cell phone still hasn't gotten its reception back. I'm gonna need to get a shot of fireball now. Yeah, <laughs> thump. So if you were interested in going to the Oxford Regional, you are going to have to go through the Ole Miss ticket office to get your tickets. All session tickets for the regional are going to be going on sale this Thursday. That is June the third at eight a.m. And you can go to Ole Miss Ticks, that's T-I-X, dot com. And, and hopefully your luck will play out and you will get tickets. Um, it says that uh, tickets for the all-session tickets, grandstands are $70, general admission are $60, and box seats are $80. They also say single-game tickets for the regional will be based on availability and sold before Friday's first game. So if you're planning on going up there, um, you know, it's Probably a great idea to check your internet connection before Thursday morning at 8 a.m. So also, the Oxford Regional is paired with the Tucson Regional as far as a Super Regional goes. And in the Tucson Regional, you've got Arizona, Oklahoma State, UC Santa Barbara, and Grand Canyon. Patrick, what are your thoughts on the Tucson Regional? Yeah, I mean, I think if you look, I posted it yesterday, but the um, the Massey average, I mean, that's the toughest regional out of all of them, Tucson. Uh, you look at Arizona, they're a top five seed. Then you have um, Oklahoma State, who had a really good RPI. I think they're up there in Massey as well. They made it to the Big 12 finals. Uh, they got some talent. You have UC Santa Barbara, who was really good. Um, they are preseason. They were top 10 team. They got two or three uh, pretty highly rated pitchers. They kind of underachieved, but, I mean, they got, you know, like I said, they got a really good rotation, and Massey likes them as well. I think they might be top 20 in, uh, in Massey possibly. Um, let me look at that. That's the fighting Jim Rooms, the Gauchos. Yes, yes, the Gauchos. Yeah, they made it to Omaha a couple years ago. So, they're, I mean, you know, they were kind of bubble team, but they're, yeah, the number 20 Massey. So, they were a bubble team, but, you know, they're probably a really good team as well. And then you have Grand Canyon. As the uh, the four seed, who you know they may be one of the best four seeds, if not the best four seed, um, along with Wright State. So I mean, you look at Tucson. I mean, that's that's probably the toughest uh, regional out of all of them. So it's you know it's very possible whoever wins. Uh, although I think the way it works is um, one of the twenty host sites would have to um, host the super. So if USM were to win and um, Arizona were to lose, I believe the super would be in Hattiesburg just because it was one of those twenty. Wow. Um, because Oklahoma State and um, Santa Barbara, you know, they were not part of the 20. I believe it's awesome. how that would work. Let's do it. Let's, I was wondering about that. I was wondering Man. about that. Where are all those fire berry people going to be at that point? 
I, did did people really? I mean, I don't. I must have some people hidden. I didn't see Fireberry stuff. I'm not surprised. But well, I saw it. I saw that. I saw Fire Oz. I saw. It doesn't. The good thing about my personal situation, like where I am in life, <laughs> is that it doesn't bother me anymore. It, it's. It sounds like it bothers me right now, but it really doesn't. It's. I just. I just miss it. Just completely. Just instantly. Whereas I used to dwell on it for quite a while. <laughs> um, I don't anymore. Um, so yeah, it's it's, I don't know. it's it's the dumbest thing ever. I, I go back to my previous statement. <laughs> so Conference USA has got uh, four teams in total in regionals. The three other teams, Old Dominion, like I said, is a number one seed in Columbia uh, with South Carolina. Charlotte is a number two seed in Greenville, uh, up there with the um, East Carolina Pirates. And then Louisiana Tech is the number one seed in Ruston. They they obviously get to host their regional as well. Uh, do you guys see any conference USA teams making it to the super regionals, or do you, do you possibly see multiple teams making it to the super regionals? Well, Old Dominion can absolutely smash. Um, so you know now they had a cakewalk since Charlotte just decided to just not even participate and pull a Mississippi State. Um, but uh, but yeah, they can absolutely smash. Uh, before the first game, when we were watching them play uh, the game right before our first game with Louisiana Tech, who was that? They were playing FAU, maybe. They hit. Yeah. Uh, they hit. I think they hit. Did they hit seven home runs that game? They hit five while I was there, and I didn't even I didn't even watch the whole game. They hit five home runs, so um, they can rip it. Um, now Louisiana Tech. As much as I just would hate for it to happen, those dudes are – man, they're so relentless at the plate. They are – and playing in that little park, and they're not going – I hope they aren't going to get home field advantage every single solitary game. That's that's the dumbest thing I've ever – I get it that the higher seed uh, would, would maybe like the first round, but after that, you got to go to what your record is in a tournament, I think. Judy, moron. Anyway, <laughs> Um so, but 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 yeah, they, Louisiana Tech can make some noise, especially hosting. That's a huge advantage for them, hosting in that little in that little park. Um, it will be a huge advantage. I don't know if they can pull as much magic out of their ass as they did in the conference tournament, but I wouldn't put it past them. They're a senior. Uh, every time a batter came up, I looked up at that scoreboard and it said senior next to it. And when we came up, every time I looked at the scoreboard, it said freshman or sophomore. <laughs> So if there's ever a year they're going to make a run and do something like we did in 2009, this has got to be the year because they, they're going straight down the shitter next year. So let's let's see what happens there. But I think the Old Dominion, if I were to make a guess on who was going to make a run, I think Old Dominion is really tough to beat. Yeah, I think you look at the three non-USM teams, I think they were all pretty good draws. I mean, I think honestly the toughest might be Old Dominion. You know, they're one of the one seeds. I think you look at La Tech, uh, I was thinking they were going to, you know, they were possibly going to get Florida State as a two. Of course, we got them as a three, and then I thought they were maybe going to send LSU there um, as a as a three, which, uh, you know, I think the committee thought that probably would have been too chaotic, sending uh, LSU up to Ruston. That would have been the best thing I've ever witnessed. <laughs> I, I, I might have missed our regional just to watch that one, just for the fights in the stands. Yes, I mean, that got NC State, who, you know, NC State played well down the road, or down uh you know in may but uh and then alabama uh i, I don't think alabama should have been the field i thought georgia or someone like a ball state should have gotten in over them but um you know alabama they have they had an ace that was going to go probably number one overall next year he's out for the year so alabama's you know they're pretty beatable nc state like i said they got hot late but um you know they're beatable and then they got Ryder as a four seed who um i thought I took what I got in a tougher four seed, maybe someone like a McNeese State or a Sanford that, uh, but you know, Ryder, I think that's the team that, uh, they should be able to dispatch, uh, pretty easily. And then you look at Charlotte. I think Charlotte got a pretty good draw. I mean, I think that whole Greenville Regional is kind of soft. You know, outside of ECU, you have, um, ECU and Charlotte, you have Maryland, who, you know, they were in the Big Ten. They didn't play out of conference. I don't, you know, it's tough to judge, uh, you know, conference didn't play any non-con. Um, and then Norfolk State's the four. You know, they're probably one of the two worst teams in the field. So I think Charlotte, you know, I think ECU's tough. Uh, they got swept there earlier in the year. Um, but they can beat Maryland. 
And then Old Dominion, you know, they're the one in Columbia. Um, they're playing Jacksonville in the first round. Uh, Jacksonville actually went 3-15 and in their conference, uh, but they had the conference tournament at their home park, and they ended up winning that. So I <laughs> uh, had a really, really bad year, but uh, they got hot at the right time. And then two seeds, South Carolina, the host, uh, you know, they were part of the field of 20, obviously, so they, they had a decent year. They were close to 500 in the SEC. And then uh, Virginia, who I think is one of the better three seeds, they were a top-10 preseason team. Um, so I think Old Dominion, you know, honestly, they may have a tougher draw than, uh, Charlotte, who is a, you know, a two seed, um, on the road. So. I don't know if you have this, these facts in front of you, but how, how many times has a one seed that was not the host won the regional? Uh, there, there, there haven't been many examples of that. We were example one time. Uh-huh. Baylor, we Baylor won it in Hattiesburg, right? <laughs> Baylor won in Hattiesburg. Yeah, I tweeted out for one the other day. The last, uh, last one seed not to host Florida State in 2010. They went to uh, UConn at a minor league park up in Connecticut, and I believe Florida State ended up winning that regional. That so that would have been the last time um, a one seed did not host, and the one seed that year ended up winning the uh, in the regional. So yeah, it's been a while, and you know I don't think it would have happened again or. You know, happened a lot. It's just because, uh, you know, Old Dominion, they didn't put in a bid uh, for some reason. I don't know why, but uh, they had a great season for sure. Absolutely. Well, let's touch on Southern Miss football real quick before we get out of here. Um, it was announced today via Twitter that uh, Southern Miss quarterback Trey Lowe is going to be working the Manning Passing Academy this year down in uh, Louisiana with the Manning brothers, the Manning family. And the football schedule, the TV schedule was announced today. Uh, you can go check it out at SouthernMiss.com, obviously. I'm not going to go through every game. But every game is televised. The only one that's TBA right now is Alabama, and I'm fairly certain that that's going to be televised somewhere. Now, some of these games, like the first three games, it's got we've, we're playing South Alabama on ESPN+, Grambling on ESPN3, Troy on ESPN+. And, uh, you know, that's through the ESPN app. But then we have one, two, three, four, five, six games that are listed as being on the ESPN networks. And I would imagine that that kind of will depend on how the season goes. So if it is a situation where we're doing uh, ridiculously well and our opponent's doing ridiculously well, maybe they'll stick us on an ESPNU or an ESPN2. Uh, but I, if if nothing else, I would imagine we would be on ESPN Plus and ESPN3 in those games as well. So uh, good news. Every It looks like every game is going to be televised this year. So go check out the schedule if you want to see it for yourself. All right. So Patrick, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, an incredible job. Um, you know, certainly lived up to the hype. You guys go <laughs> follow him on Twitter at WP McGee, M C G E E. Uh, do you guys have any shout outs you want to give tonight? I wanted to give a couple quick shout outs. Number one to Patrick McGee. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, <laughs> it, it was great. The wizard, had to, uh, you know, had that UTI situation going on. So Shane, uh, ointment, ointment, uh, and maybe antibiotics takes care of that. Cranberry um, juice. Right. Um, I wanted to give a huge shout out to Mr. Rick and uh, his wife, Terry Maddox, and, and Jeff Donaldson. Je- Jeff drove us up there. Thank, uh, thank them for, um, for transporting me that way. I stayed in a different hotel than they did. They had to come pick me up and drop me off and pick me up again. And it was great. Um, so, uh, so, so that was cool. Um, and I want to give a couple shout outs for some viewing parties that I know about. Number one, there's a viewing party at walk-ons in Mandeville, I believe it's put on by our good friend, Steve farmer and the North shore Eagles alumni group on Facebook and Twitter. So if you're down in that way, I mean, go hit up that, that walk-ons, man. Um, Steve's great. You'll hear him as soon as you walk in. So uh, just follow that voice. And um, and then if you're in Hattiesburg, uh, swing on by the 4th Street Bar. They're having a viewing party as, as well. I don't know who's, who's going to be behind bar, but uh, if you happen to see Slade White walking around in there, tell him I said what's up. He will not give you a free beer. He might charge you double just because I said that. But tell him you said I said hey. And, um, and that's all my shout-outs for tonight. Patrick, do you want to give any shout-outs? Oh, I don't know. I should have come prepared with some shout-outs. I don't know if I have any. I'd... We never come prepared with shout-outs. It's... <laughs> <laughs> you know, funny fact, so you mentioned running into um, Jeremy McLean 
at the Whataburger. Yes, and, and Jeff uh, Mitchell. And Jeff Mitchell. So Bill McGillis's spot when he was here, and he's not here anymore, and the spot's not in here anymore. But Bill McGillis's lunch spot was um, Bob's. Right. You could oh, catch. That's right. He always did his. He always said that's where all the important business got done was the Bob's. That is exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Uh, I guess we we'll can spill the beans on that now. So maybe if we get a Whataburger in town, which um, – That's just what we need on Hardy Tree, by the way, is another burger joint. Another so. burger joint, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, yeah. <laughs> don't don't they, worry about a, a cool bowling alley or like a mini golf. By all means, let's add another burger joint. I don't know what happened, but it was really close to happening. Like I I, I spoke to somebody at Whataburger, and uh, it was really close to happening before the pandemic. So I, I – I don't know if it's still going to happen or not, but it was supposed to happen at one point. So we'll see what happens. But anyways, uh, well, thank you guys so much. Oh, uh, comedy show, comedy show, June the 18th. Uh, I will be at Brewski's with the very funny Sean Patton. Again, go Google him. Make sure he's your speed before you come out to the show and check it out. And then Last for Life, uh, July 30th is sold out. So I hope you get your tickets or are willing to scalp them because we, we weren't able to get a second show. So. Uh, appreciate you guys listening. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And as always, Southern Miss to the top. <laughs>